Welcome to the Fireplace Podcast, live from our weekly Friday night rallies. If you live in the greater Nashville area, we would love for you to join us 7 p.m. at Harvest Sound Church. This podcast contains our best practical trainings and gripping messages that will compel you to go put Jesus' love into action. Um, without further ado, I want Reed to come up here. Reed's going to be bringing the word tonight. Reed's the man. Um, Reed has Reed has helped pioneer um, Fireplace for many years, and behind the scenes is still involved. And he's he's amazing. Him and his wife uh, Mary Alice and their new baby boy. Um, yeah, no, not not so new anymore. He said, but. Um, He's he's just been incredible and he's been huge in pioneering fireplace and a lot of you know things behind the scenes that you would never think about with fireplace strategic things to practical things to missional things um, that you don't even you may not even think about he's been a huge part of pioneering this ministry so just want to honor him and just and and his wife Mary Alice who's not here tonight um, but let's just honor Reed. Um, not only not only that, he's an amazing friend, so I'm extremely grateful for you, Reed, and um, just your steadfastness for the Lord and his word and discipleship and evangelism and all of it, so I really love you, man. Who's expectant tonight? Come on. Who's hungry for the word? It's like, seriously, I, got, I want you to just make noise. Who's seriously hungry for God's word? Extend your hands to Reed. Lord, we just thank you for Reed. Lord, we just thank you for the word that you've placed on his heart tonight, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the expectation in the room. Lord, we just pray, Holy Spirit, you speak. Speak through him in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, bro. So like Daniel was saying, talking about it's kind of a series of the core values of, of Jesus' mission, and uh, one of which is, is missional commitment, and that's what I'm talking about tonight. And this is sort of an intro to missional commitment, because next week Daniel's going to going to bring a part two and, and clean up whatever mess I make um, right here. So missional commitment. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys. I think that I see, um, and obviously I see it in this generation, but like, I don't know. I feel like everybody views their generation as the generation that does this. And I think there's truth to it, especially in this generation. But anyway, I feel like I see a decay of commitment in general um, in this generation, as well as the whole, you know, all different generations. It's just human flesh. But in this generation in particular, I see a decay of commitment. You see it in in so many different things. Um, you know, I think the first for me is marriage. You know, we have the the um, ridiculous statistics in marriage. And even in the past 10 years, the marriage rate of people that are choosing to get married has been cut in half. Because um, we want we want the pleasures of of love without the commitment of love. And how many know you can't separate the two? You can't, can't love without commitment. You can't be committed without love. Even, even in the original Hebrew of the word love, where um, the specific word chesed, where uh, it's like the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, or, you know, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. That is chesed, which is, is love, but it's a type of love that is a committed love. It's a loyal love. Um, it, it's, it's often called the, the faithfulness, the faithful love of God is also translated as chesed. So you can't, you can't do love without commitment. Um, and I think, I think why the, the commitment has just decayed in our generation is because commitment's hard. 
And it's not just hard. It, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing over a long period of time. It's essentially, if you could boil down commitment, it's, it's choosing a difficult thing for the you know, foreseeable future, which is really hard. Um, and, and we have a hard time choosing to do hard things. I think that's why you see so much of the social media just crap. You know, I think that's why you see all the the you know rise in addictions and suicides and and, and depression and and all these mental anxieties because we have a hard time dealing with hard things. It's not the only thing going on, but I think that's a factor. Um, you know, so that's in the generation. But I think I also see a decay and a lack of commitment in the church in our generation, whether it's. Um, our tendency to bounce from event to event, from group to group, from, um, you know, church to church, from movement to movement. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, I get it, especially at this age, looking to find friends, looking to find um, a spouse, you know. But I think we do that naturally. Yeah, uh-oh. I think we do that, that jumping from place to place because it's hard to plant your feet in one place. It's hard to stay put for a lot of reasons. One being, Things make you uncomfortable. Maybe it's people that you have an offense against, and so you're, you're, you decide to run away. Maybe it's you're running after something else. You're, you're, you're stuck in this place, and you're looking at the other people, and you think they're having more fun. They're doing things that I'm not doing here. I'm going to go join this movement and this group. And it's like the, uh, I, I think of the Squidward meme. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but where he's looking out the window, and SpongeBob and Patrick are like running around, and he's like wishing he was out there with them. That's what I feel like so much of, of you know, our generation's inability to stay committed. Um, and again, going to a bunch of different things is not always a bad thing, but for some of you, it might be time to just plant two feet somewhere, right? Um, <laughs> two feet, ten toes down. All right. Um, I also... Th- <laughs> I also think in a way, in a way we're, we're scripturally illiterate because uh, that's hard. It's hard to not be scripturally illiterate. It's easier when you try and get into the word and you realize this is actually going to take effort on my end to, to seek understanding. I would rather just go to Instagram and see somebody give a 60-second video where actually their whole 30-minute sermon was all geared toward this 60-second video because they know they're going to post it to Instagram and they know it's going to blow up and they know it's going to, you know, boost their ministry. You know, that, but that's easier than actually getting in the word on a daily basis yourself, right? And so that's why we're, we're, we're a people that chooses the path of least resistance, naturally. And, and, you know, so speaking about missional commitment, I think that's something we got to get over. Um, could you put that first, first slide up? Um, yeah, Proverbs 24, 6. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Being committed to something takes, takes a holy perseverance. Being missionally committed takes a holy perseverance. That when things get hard, you don't quit. When things you get hard, you don't run. When things get hard, you don't change your message because things get hard. You get up again. That's what this Proverbs is saying. And, and Perseverance, not only is in relation to missional commitment, perseverance like this is required to follow Jesus just in general. Right? You can't be a quitter and follow Jesus. That's not how it works. He outlined that pretty clearly, and we'll get into that. But I think in a way, missional commitment, as a phrase, missional commitment is, boils down to just following Jesus. 
if you are following Jesus, you will be missionally committed. It's like the phrase Daniel says, if you stay at his feet, you'll go where his feet go. If you're committed to Jesus, you will be missionally committed. You can't, you can't say that I follow Jesus' words, his commands, and his lifestyle and not be missionally committed. You know, something's gone wrong. Okay, so um, I also don't think, you don't have to have a, a high calling, a specific calling to be missionally committed. You know, some people wait, wait 15, 20, 30 years to be missionally committed because they're waiting on some specific area and, and thing that they're supposed to be missionally committed to. And yes, we have those things, and those are right and true to pursue. Please do. But we can be missionally committed right now. And, and I'll say this. People like Daniel and Colby and Evan and Bree and, and Daniel Crane and um, thinking of people that have been here for years, um, Emily, you know, Pastor Scott and this whole ministry, they're not here because they're missionally committed to evangelism. Ooh. Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're not here because they're missionally committed to Nashville. They're not here because they're missionally committed to the inner city. They're here because they're missionally committed to the God of Israel in the flesh who came, who, who preached repentance, who died, who, raised, who rose from the dead, who said, go to all the nations and meet me back in the Jerusalem, who's waiting at the right hand of the Father to come back down and restore everything. They're missionally committed to him. And that missional commitment to him is why they're here. That's what informs what we're supposed to be doing. That's what informs preach the gospel. That's what informs, you know, cast out demons, heal the sick. That's what informs, you know, care for the orphan and the widow and the poor. It's a missional commitment to Jesus. And if you can't build a foundation of missional commitment to Jesus, to the man, to his words, to his commands, you don't need to be worrying about other additional specific callings or ministries or where you're supposed to go. Build a foundation of missional commitment to Jesus. The one, the one in 2 Corinthians 5 says, He died for all so that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but may live for him who died for them and rose. That's the missional commitment to Jesus, that we are done living for ourselves and we're committed to living for him. Simply put. Now, when I say, like, we're talking about being committed to following Jesus. When I say following Jesus, um, let's say you're playing Family Feud. Um, I don't know if you guys know the game, but what would be the number one survey answer if you asked, what did Jesus do? He died on a cross. He died. Everybody would agree with that. Like, if, 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 if you played a picture word association game with, with Jesus, what would come up in everybody's head? A picture. What would be the picture? A cross. I think that's pretty, pretty clear across the board. And, and if we're going to say we're committed to following Jesus and following what he did and modeling after his life, we can't skip the one thing that's probably the most important thing about his life. We can't skip the cross. We got to embrace the cross. And, and when it comes to commitment, that's when things get hard, is when we decide we're going to embrace the cross, that we're going to join Jesus in his way of life, which was suffering and death. That's when things get hard, and that's when people back out. <laughs> can, we, can we get the next scripture up, Luke, Luke 9? 
This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. And the disciples are probably thinking, okay. And then he says, then he said to him, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He's saying, I am going to die. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to embrace the, the cross of, of suffering, the cup of wrath that the Father has put in front of me. And everybody's just like, yeah? He says, you got to do it too. If you want to be considered my disciple, you've got to do it too. Um, and, and, and it's a real, this is like a confrontational moment. Oh, here we go, the next verse. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. There's no uh, gray you know, or, or, or a blurred line here. I think this is a very clear confrontation. Jesus is confronting them saying, you cannot run away from this. You cannot seek your gain. You cannot seek the preservation of your life. You cannot seek your will. You have to lose that all. And you can't skip it. And, and Jesus is very clear and the apostles are very clear. All of them are very clear that if you want to join Jesus in his glory, how many of you want to join Jesus in his glory? If, if your hand's not up, we've got another sermon for that. Next week. <laughs> but it's very clear. If you want to join Jesus in his glory, what must else you do? Join him in his suffering. Join him in his hardship. Philippians 3, 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 4, Colossians 1, 2 Timothy 2, Romans 8, Hebrews 12, Luke 24, from the mouth of Jesus, all say the exact same thing. If you want to enjoy the glory of Jesus forever in a perfect creation, in a, in a whole new world where there's no more sickness, suffering, death, where you have, have a, a, a responsibility and a role from the King of kings and the Lord of lords that he entrusts to you, if you want that, you've got to join him in his suffering. And, and, and joining him in his suffering, this isn't to become a super Christian. This isn't to become a leader. This isn't to become a, a, a high-level Believer, this is to inherit eternal life. This is the basic building block of eternal life, is to repent and die to yourself and join Jesus in his way of life. Let's go to Luke 9, because we're going to add a little, another blip to this whole thing. This is in the same chapter. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So not only do you have to die to yourself, not only do I have to crucify that in you uh, that, that, is, um, that is impure, not only do I have to do that, you've got to do it forever. Until your dying day, you've got to do it. You can't quit. And that's where the commitment comes in to the whole missional commitment, right? Um, you know, I was, I was listening to a podcast the other day of an, a neuroscience and an former Navy SEAL, neuroscientist, and a former Navy, Navy SEAL, two different guys, not the same person. That'd be crazy. Um, and <laughs> how many of you know, you know who the Navy SEALs are, right? They're the most elite, you know, military, and their, their training is very famous because it's brutal, it's ruthless, and it's got, um, it's about a 15% pass rate. About 85% of people quit. I can't think of another test like that where it's all high-level, super strong, super athletic, super physical, super mentally strong people that come in and only 80, or only 15% of them make it. And so he was asking, how, 
the neuroscientist was asking the you know Navy SEAL commander, how do you test for that? Like what what gets somebody through? And the SEAL commander was like, well, it's not athleticism. It's not who can run the fastest or the longest. It's not who's the strongest. It's not who the most who's the most uh, mentally adept. It's really just one thing, and it's resilience. It's the ability to lose, lose badly, lose again, lose again, lose again, lose again, lose again, and keep going. That's what they test for. And, and, and you know, he even said the guy who was the MVP quarterback in high school never lost a game and then went and was an All-American in college and is just an athletic beast, and, and he comes in the seals, he said that guy never makes it because he doesn't know how to lose. <laughs> You've got to know how to lose, because they're going to find how to exploit your weaknesses and every day crush you. And, and you've got to be able to have that thing that says, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to get up again. I'm going to get up again. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up again. And that's why they're mo- the most elite you know, group in the world, because what happens when you go on a mission? Things go wrong. Who's ever been on a mission where everything went according to plan? That's a simulation. That's not a mission. And when that happens, you need people around you that are going to wake up and say, we got to keep going. We don't have time to think, oh, we got to keep going, right? And, and, and what happens when uh, in, in Bud's training, uh, I'm going to ask Evan because I, I feel like he'll know this question. What happens when somebody quits in Bud's training? Do you know? Does anyone else know? You don't go home. You do go home. What happens before you go home? <laughs> You got to walk in front of all your classmates and you got to ring a bell really loudly for like a long time and say, everybody, I quit. (laughs) I quit. I'm a quitter. Quitters quit. Yeah. Um, But that kind of reminds me of this next scripture, Luke 14. Again, we're just kind of moving through Luke here. It's fun. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be their disciple, cannot be my disciple. Suppose, this is the next verse, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Is there anything worse than than deciding I'm going to die to myself and then quitting? Some translations say they make a mockery of him, and I'm not here to make fun of anybody because this isn't funny. It's tragic. It's tragic that people seriously and genuinely say, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. I'm going to commit to him, and then they fall away. And I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about people that just stop going to church or people that go to a different church or go to a different ministry. I mean, it, it can even happen to people in the church. It can happen to people that are leaders in the church. It's not about whether you're going to church or not. It's about, is your heart in it to say, I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for him. And I don't know if it's because they get to a point where they say, I've graduated, or they get tired of it, but, but people will fall away and say, I'm no longer going to decide to do the hard thing. I'm, I'm now going to live for myself. And it's tragic. So we've got to guard against this. We've got to guard, the, our, guard against it. I mean, it's everything. It's eternal life, right? There's no path to eternal life that skips taking up your own cross. There's no path to eternal life that, that um, uh, denies and rejects suffering and, and the cross. So what do we do? I, I've got 
three things really quickly because um, I don't want this to be me. I'm deathly afraid of God, you know, that this won't be me, right? And we all should be. So my first thing is, is to stay awake, to stay sober. Luke 21, it's one of the last things Jesus said before the crucifixion. He's talking about the end of the age, and he says, be sober-minded, be awake, so that you don't, uh, th- that you don't get drunk on the cares of this life. He says, wake yourself up. Do not get drunk on the cares of this life. Because that's what, what, what keeps you from taking up your cross, is the cares of this life. So that's point one. Stay awake, stay sober. Point two, I, I suggest for everybody, um, set rhythms for yourself. Set rhythms for yourself to keep yourself in this, in this mode of, of dying to yourself, whether it's fasting. I, I can't think of a better way to humble yourself before God and, and, and saying, I reject the comforts and cares of this life than fasting. Make fasting a regular part of your life, please. If, if, if you've never done it before, start easy and just, just build that muscle, but make fasting a regular part of your life. Um, make, make daily worship prayer and the, and the scriptures daily part of your life. It gets hard. It gets difficult. You wake up and you say, thank you, God, for this morning, and then you get on your phone because it's hard. <laughs> Keep doing it. The Lord will give you a grace, okay? And then, and then my last point is, is get a vision for future glory. We, we, we talked about you cannot reign with him if you don't endure with him. You cannot share in his glory if you do not suffer with him. So why are we trying to suffer without thinking about the glory he has prepared for us? Keep that in the forefront of your minds. The, probably the best example I can think of, of of being missionally committed, being missionally committed to what, what Jesus called it, is the Apostle Paul. Nobody had, had the glory in, in front of him you know, on their mind more than him. If we could pull up that Philippians uh, 3 verse, Pastor Scott read this in church Sunday. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Can we go to the next verse as well, 13? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says he's pressing forward for one thing, to obtain the resurrection of the dead. If you're not familiar with the resurrection of the dead, it is, it's, it's the day of the Lord when he comes and literally resurrects us from the dead, gives us heavenly glorified bodies, and, and um, we reign with him forever and ever. That's what Paul is giving everything for. And, and you can't expect to be missionally committed for your whole life in a way that is self-denying if you're not looking to the glory that's ahead. That's why it's, that's why it's so common. I, I, you know, I read those 10 different scriptures where, where Paul mentions it. Um, so I, I just want to pray um, and, and just kind of leave a moment for prayer for us to say, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a moment of repentance to say, man, I, I have been living for myself. You know, even in, you can even serve for yourself. 
Y'all ever gotten into that trap before? You start serving because you want to you want a promotion. You start serving because you want to serve under the right people with the right connections. And and you can serve from yourself. Um, maybe it's repentance for um, you know, re- refusing suffering in different ways. And I'm not like it's it's um it might be uh, different for everybody what suffering looks like. I'll say that. It can be different for everybody what suffering looks like. What I mean by that is not choosing to gratify your flesh, not choosing to do the easy thing when you know the Lord's calling you to something different, not choosing to take up your own life and, and put your stock in the cares of this age. That's what, what uh, taking up the cross looks like. So, so we're just going to leave a moment um, before hitting the streets because, you know, you guys know if you're going to be out here, you're going to be reviled, you're going to be rebuked, you're going to be cursed at, you're going to be ignored, you're going to be um, a whole lot of things. And we've got to be people that, that stay committed, that get up again seven times, eight times, nine times, ten times. Let's extend that verse. So I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your invitation, your invitation to join you in your way of life to join you in obedience to your commands, to join you in obedience to your commission. Lord, we thank you for, for the mercy that you have over us, that even as, 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 as wicked, self-righteous, self-gratifying, um, self-promoting Gentiles that are far from you, Lord, you have mercy on us. God, and we call on your mercy. Lord, and we ask that you would give us, by the Holy Spirit, by by your transformation, God, a heart that seeks to deny itself, a heart, a mind, and spirit that says, I am going to choose you, Jesus, over the world that I, even when it's hard, even when it's hard, God, I'm going to choose my commitment to you, my commitment to your commands, my commitment to following you, my commitment to obeying you. I'm going to choose it over what I want to do. Lord, I pray you give us that grace. God, and I pray you give us a grace to preach that message. The good news that if we deny ourselves, that if we repent, if we turn to you, that you have stored up for us a promise that we cannot even wrap our head around. So Lord, I just pray, God, that that a missional commitment would be birth in, in people tonight that doesn't grow weary, that doesn't grow tired, that knows that um, though we, we, we sow in sorrow, we sow in tears, we will come back reaping with shouts of joy, as you said in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.